stories of ambition, drive, success, and the personalities behind them. I'm Whitney Coonan. And I'm Macy McLean. And you're listening to Power in Heels. Now more than ever, it is really, really important to think about the products that we use in our everyday lives, but also how they affect the environment. And there's so many products out there, but I always wondered what it really takes to create one that is good for the environment, but also good for us and actually works. Good Juju is a company that makes all natural plastic-free home and body care products. So not only is it good for us, but it's also good for the planet. Today, we are joined by the founders, Lisa and Alexa. I just want to start off and say thank you so much for joining us in the show. We are really, really excited to have you both and talk to you all about your company and your partnership and everything that makes you guys you. Awesome. We're excited to be here. Thank you for having us. <laughs> the best way to start this might be to, to rewind a little bit. Um, and we always like to ask our guests this. If someone asked you to tell your story, where would you start? What speaks to you the most when you think about your story as a personal or as a partnership, whatever? I think we can probably rewind to our personal stories because I think our personal stories brought us to where we are today, right? Alex and I were actually just talking about this when we saw each other last week because we both went to business school. And when you're in business school, um, when you're about to graduate, like the big companies come in and they kind of do like a recruiting events. And we were talking about the different types of companies that came um, to our different schools. And because I did a marketing stream, all the big CPG companies came. And I remember like really clearly, I, you know, interviewed with um, General Mills, um, interviewed with like all of those. And I remember like sitting in the General Mills interview thinking, I cannot do this. Like there is no <laughs> way I could spend my life like marketing sugary cereal to kids. Like there's no way I could do this. Right. So I actually ended up like pulling myself um, out of that interview process. And I knew like, so that was like 25 year old me. Right. And I knew then, you know, just what, like what, what were resonating with me and what wasn't um, fast forward, you know, a couple of years, I got a job in the wine industry. It was quite awesome. I got married, had two kids along the way. And like most people, um, who enter the world of natural health, there was a catalyst and it was my kids, right? When I had kids, I really got propelled into this world of natural health and in clean ingredients. And, you know, it, it's, I think that's a pretty common journey for a lot of women um, because obviously you want to do the best that you can for your family. Um, so uh, after I had my two kids, I ended up getting a job um, in the natural health industry, which is where I met Alexa. Um, I worked for a supplement company. Um, I ran the marketing department there. And yeah, I'll let Alexa tell you about her journey. I spent my whole life in the natural health industry. Um, when I was 11, my, um, my dad opened one of the first natural health food stores in the Okanagan in, in British Columbia. And I remember working the very first day that we opened, uh, walking around with a clipboard, asking people if they wanted to join our loyalty program. <laughs> and then from that time onwards, I, I spent time in every aspect of the retail stores. And then I went to business school as well. So I left for about four years, um, went to the University of Victoria. But I was just so passionate about the natural health industry, having grown up in it and seeing the effect that natural products and eating you know, a clean diet can have on people's lives that... I knew that I wanted to be involved in the business kind of as my as my career as well. So came back to Vernon, again, worked my way through many departments of kind of the corporate level of our stores. So at, by that time, we had, I think, about eight stores. We had our own warehouse. We had a commissary kitchen that prepared organic food for all of our um, in-house cafes. 
Um, so I started our cafes. I worked in our marketing department. I worked in our purchasing department. I sat on our executive team and really well-rounded uh, business education by doing that. I think much more than I got from business school, actually. <laughs> and along the way, I met Lisa. Uh, her company that she was working for was one of our biggest suppliers. So we were one of their biggest customers. Oh. And we we met at trade shows or, or industry events, uh, developed a friendship. Our businesses um, shared a very strong passion for sustainability. We, after owning our stores for 26 years, um, we decided to sell them in 2019. So uh, while we were working through that process, Lisa came out to visit us. Um, you know, she, they were like, we're so sad that you're selling and we're going to miss you. We've got such a great relationship. And she told me at that time that she was planning to leave her position and asked if I wanted to start a business with her. <laughs> so so that, that was the beginning of our conversations around Good Juju and starting this partnership that we have now. That's awesome. And can we dive into Good Juju and what it is, what it's all about, why you decided to create the company? We knew we wanted to do something women-led. We knew we wanted to do something that revolved around sustainability because it was just so important to us. And also, um, I don't know, the climate crisis, nowhere near what it is today, which is like so much worse. And I don't think it's anywhere near where, it, where it's heading. Um, but the climate crisis was at the top of our mind. So we batted around a few ideas. And then one day I was in my shower and I was washing my hair and I was using a shampoo bar. And I was using it because, you know, I wanted to do the right thing. Like, I really wanted to love it, but I did not love it. And, mm -hmm. and you know, that coming from our backgrounds, that's something that we knew very strongly about consumer perceptions around sustainable and clean products is that people feel like they have to give up quality. Um, and like I said, to be honest, we didn't love the ones we were using either. So, like, I called up Alexa and I was like, hey, do you use shampoo bars? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't love them. She's like, I don't love them either. <laughs> but we were trying to, like, do the right thing. And then I have a background in new product development. So I knew what it's like, how to formulate a product or who to work with to formulate a product. I didn't formulate it myself. Um, so we said, that's it. Like, this is what we want to do. We really wanted to do something like clean beauty, um, beauty and home and we really gravitated to removing plastic from our, you know, from our daily routines, unnecessary plastic. And I think that that's the key with us. Like we're not sitting here saying you need to be completely plastic free. You should give up all the plastic in your life. You know, if that's not reasonable, it's not feasible. Um, and some plastic is needed, but you look around us today and um, we've started to dive a little bit deeper into the numbers. And there's uh, every year, every year in North America, we send 3 billion plastic shampoo and conditioner bottles to landfill every year and we send number. 750 million laundry uh detergent bottles to to landfill huh. and jeez i don't like that number <laughs> that's crazy and it's like a lot of people think that you know you throw it in your blue bin you throw it in your recycling bin you think that you're doing really good but the truth is is that only only nine percent and i think that number has actually gone down now to seven percent um, of plastic that you throw away actually gets recycled. But what happens to that plastic in landfill is that it, it then becomes uh, microplastics, which then break down into nanoplastics. And there's been some like really um, concerning headlines that we've seen in the news regarding nanoplastics. Um, yeah, that are really concerning. I'll let Alexa tell you a little bit about those. Yeah. Um, yeah so there are some of the headlines that we've read recently um, are like, 
plastic, microplastics have now been found in um, placentas of unborn babies. Uh, plastic rain is the new acid rain. Um, microplastics are found in human organs. Um, and nanoplastics are actually being absorbed into the food. The plants are absorbing nanoplastics from the soil as they grow, so we're ingesting it. And the stat that we find shocking is that we are ingesting or inhaling a credit card size worth of plastic every single week. Jeez. A week? Every single week, yeah. So so what we wanted to do with Good Juju was really tackle, obviously those are huge numbers, like 700 million laundry detergent bottles, 3 billion plastic shampoo and conditioner bottles. We were like, let's tackle these things that we're using every single day that do not have to be in a plastic bottle. There is another option. We just need people to try it and we need to make it as good or better as what is in the plastic bottle already because people aren't going to switch if it's not better. So so we spent a long time formulating our products. We spent nine months on our shampoo and conditioner bars. We formulated them with the help of a naturopathic physician and researcher out of Harvard and the University of Toronto, as well as a hairdresser, because we're like, we want the science and we also want the performance. And so I think we've brought the two of those together and we have a bar that people, we have four bars uh, for different hair types, (laughs) but we have four that people are raving about. Like we have over 700 five-star reviews, people saying that they will, you know, never go back to the plastic bottle after trying our bars. And, um, yeah, that's how we think we can have the biggest impact is these products that we use every single day because those are the ones that are creating the most waste. So for us, we're, our mission is to remove 50 million plastic bottles from the waste stream uh, by 2030. Um, we're approaching our 300,000th, which is really good. We're on the way. We're only two years in and uh, we're on the way. Um, but yeah, do you have a, a favorite product if you have to pick one out of your line, each of you? I do. <laughs> oh, okay. Here we go. <laughs> I do too. I love our conditioner bars. Um, so just with my hair type, I have fine hair, mm-hmm. like quite a bit of it, but it's very fine and it instantly tangles, instant tangle, no matter what I do. Like, so when we were testing our conditioner and shampoo bars, Lisa doesn't need conditioner. Like, look at her hair. And I can't see this on the podcast. But Lisa has gorgeous, long, thick, shiny, beautiful hair. And and she doesn't need conditioner. And I was like, how can someone not need conditioner? Like, I have to have conditioner or I will not get a brush through my hair. It will just like, the brush will just stick on my hair. So one of the things about the other conditioner bars on the market that we tried when, when uh, we were testing like all sorts of different ones was... Like, I was like, oh, I just rub it on my head, but nothing happens. Like, I don't think anything's going on my head and I cannot get my my comb or my brush through afterwards. So our conditioner coats your hair so nicely. I can I can detangle in the shower just with my just with my fingers. I don't even need like a comb. Wow. And my hair is so shiny afterwards. It is. It, it's not frizzy. It's like it, it's amazing. So you used to like how much conditioner did you used to use in the I would use like, I would say a good, like a golf ball size of conditioner in the shower. Cause I used to have that's, really long hair and I, that's I, what use... I do. <laughs> I'm like, my palm is just full of conditioner. <laughs> exactly. And I go through so much conditioner. I'd be like a conditioner every two weeks or three weeks. Wow. And, yeah. and now our conditioner bar lasts me like 
three months. Awesome. If I'm showering every second day, three, three to four months, three months. Oh my God. It lasts so long. It lasts for such a long time. So it lasts me a really long time because I only use a conditioner on my end. So a conditioner bar lasts me like a whole year. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. probably better on the wallet at the end of the day too, because the amount of money that I spend. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what a lot of people think. Like they, yeah. we get that comment quite a lot that people look at our bars that are, and they're like, $19.99, $21.99 if you're buying them in the box. Um, and it can even go up to like $24.99 if you're buying them from a retailer and they think that that's expensive. But one bar replaces up to three plastic bottles, which yeah. depending on what you're buying is actually way more economical. And you can yeah. see if you go on the reviews on our site, you can see people confirming it. Like they'll say this bar lasts forever. But like the key with the shampoo bar is... Um, you got to keep it out of the shower spray and out of the moisture. Otherwise it'll just melt away. Like it's, it, it's, as soon as shampoo in the bottle is 90% water. And that's basically what we've done is taken out all the water and put concentrated the ingredients. Um, but yeah, but I love the shampoo bar. Alexa loves the conditioner bar. I love the shampoo bar and I alternate between them. The, the only one I don't use is the dry curly hair because I don't, um, it has a lot of which is honestly the dry curly one is our most raved and reviewed bar. If you go read the ones for that, people are like blown over by it. Um, I think a lot of people have very overprocessed hair um, and dry hair. Um, so they find that one like a complete <laughs> lifesaver. Um, and it works on all types of curls. It works on um, 3A, 3B, 4C, like uh, black hair. Like it works on, we've had so many reviews on that bar. I don't personally use it because I don't need the extra moisture, but I alternate between the other ones. Stick around. Next up on Power and Heels. It's progress over perfection for us. Like little bits make a difference. We don't need hundreds of people doing zero waste perfectly. We need millions of people doing it imperfectly. I want to ask a little more about like actually creating it. Like in my mind, when you're creating a product and you're testing it out, I, I imagine like sitting there with like test tubes, little pipettes and you're mixing things. <laughs> but is that what it's like? Is there more to it? Probably is more to it. But like, what is that process like? And how does the testing go? And how do you do all of that? Uh, yeah, so it kind of is like that. Okay. <laughs> um, so we we worked with a manufacturer, so they did all the formulation. So they would, okay. you know, we would we would give them a list of ingredients they would put them together in, in, in a bar. They'd give it to us to try and we'd be like, no, this doesn't have enough foam. This doesn't have like, and we would, and I think the key with, with formulation is knowing how to give feedback. Um, that's one of the things that I really learned. It's, it's the nuances in the feedback that helps a, a chemist really understand what you're looking for. But I think the really key thing with us was finding ways to include ingredients that you would not normally find in hair products. So mushrooms, for example. So oh. mushrooms have like a lot of really awesome properties in general. Mushrooms are having a moment. They have like a lot of um, really amazing properties, but topically they do as well. And that was something that we found like super interesting. Um, so during the, going back to your question, like when you're formulating, 
to try to take something that's not necessarily that you would find in a in a shampoo and trying to make that work. But then also we were trying to make it into a new form, right? It wasn't liquid. It's if something is liquid, then I think that's easier. Like you just have to find ways to make it blend into the liquid. Same thing with the laundry strips. And I think one of the really, really important things of product formulation that a lot of people miss out. So there's, of course, you want to make sure that the user experience is great, that the product performs, but it's the testing afterwards. And we really um, are pretty rigorous with our testing to make sure that um, what if we say something is not in the product, it is not in the product. And then the last step that's really important is the testing. And, and, and our manufacturer who does the bars are phenomenal and they do all kinds of stability testing and microbial testing because you want to make sure that your bars aren't growing bacteria after they've been through the process. So yeah, I mean, a lot of um, smaller companies, you know, you can see some people who make their shampoo bars um, in their homes and, and which is totally fine, but microbials are definitely a concern when you're doing things like that. And for us, you know, ours are made in a proper facility um, where, and then are tested for all of that stuff. Because we were coming up with a brand new format, like shampoo bars, like we said, like there's there's not manufacturers out there who actually make shampoo bars. So we actually worked with our manufacturer to to set up. He was like, I don't do this, but I'm willing to try. So, yeah. Cool. That's so cool. Very cool. Mm-hmm. And and the name, Good Juju, is there a meaning behind it? I'm curious to know the story behind the name, if there is one. <laughs> Yeah, there there is for sure. So we we worked on the name for for quite a while. Um, we 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 started the exercise by going through our um, core values. So we we were listing, you know, what are our core values for this company, and and we went through and we're brainstorming, and and we came up with you know like good good to the planet. So we're going to be good to the planet. Uh, we're going to be good global citizens. We're going to use really good ingredients only. And as we were going through this exercise, we noticed, okay, like the word good is in so many of our core values. And we really liked the word good because, you know, it just, it's it's a nice word. And then we were like, we need something else. (laughs) It's not just good. So, so we were going through all sorts of different options and, um, and good juju came up and we were like, yes, this is, it's so, it's so, it's fun. It's fun to say it's has a really good meaning. I think naming the company was very similar to the shampoo bar moment where we were like, yeah, we don't really know what we want to name the company and we're going back and forth. And then the second we saw Good Juju written down, it just really resonated with us. The meaning behind it was so on point with what we're trying to do. Um, It's not just about energy for us. It's about action um, that brings that Good Juju back to you. I think that it also reflects our tone of voice and how we present ourselves because one of the things that you will see um, in the zero waste world um, and even in the natural health world is that I think people find it intimidating because it can feel a little preachy and a little bit um, soapboxy you know like you should be doing this and how you know like oh my god you're still using plastic straws like you know what I mean like I think that there's there's a lot of judgment behind it and that's not our jam at all like that's not the way we think it's not who we are like we're human we're not perfect we make mistakes um, and we wanted to have a name that kind of reflected that fun tone of who we are as well um, it's progress over perfection for us. Like little bits make a difference. We don't need hundreds of people doing zero waste perfectly. We need millions of people doing it imperfectly. 
So you guys seem like the perfect partnership, um, but I want to dive into that a little bit more because, you know, you, you met when you were um, both kind of doing other things and then came together. What was that conversation like? You're basically a country apart. <laughs> so, um, you know, one is in BC, one is in Ontario. So that's that's quite far apart. How does that all work? But anyway, just let's let's dive into all of that. <laughs> Okay, I'll start with the um, with the beginning of our <laughs> partnership <laughs> discussions. <laughs> so Lisa came to visit, as I mentioned earlier, and we were sitting in my backyard and she said, you know, I really want to start a business that's run by women. Um, I've wanted to do this for a long time. Um, what do you think? And I was like, in my mind, <laughs> I was like, I don't really know Lisa that well. Like we're, <laughs> we're, acquaint- we're acquaintances at this point. Like I know she's really smart. I know she's like really successful and she's had a lot of, you know, great business experience, but, but I don't really know her that well. And, you know, I just, we just went through this process of selling our business of 26 years. It felt like we were like losing a family member. Um, and my heart, I was like, I don't, I don't think I can like, there's, I just, it feels like too much, but out loud, I said, Oh, that sounds like a cool idea. And let's talk about it more. <laughs> also, in my mind, I was thinking the same thing. I was yeah. like, I don't know if this would work. <laughs> I was definitely in my mind. I was like, I don't know. Like in my heart, I was like, I don't know. Like it was, I think it was just kind of like, a, let's throw it out there and see what happens. I don't think either of us were really like super serious in the beginning. Yeah. And so, and then we just... We stayed in touch though after that, and Lisa, you know, would text me or you know every once in a while and be like, "Yeah, I'm actually, you know, still thinking about this. Like, what do you think?" And then and then we got further along, and anyway, so our discussions lasted about six months, oh, and wow. we had gone into the, you know, we we had come up with okay, okay, let's do something in the shampoo bar, conditioner bar realm to start. Still had not fully committed to anything, and and I think for me it was fear. I was I was really I was scared. I, I didn't know how to start a business. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know if I was capable of it, I, and I thought maybe I should just you know take take kind of an easier path somehow, but. But I went to um, to Fast Company's Innovation Summit in New York, and Lisa was like, I think at this point more in than me. Like she, she, I think was feeling more confident. She, confident I think I would have done it without you with that. Yeah, if you yeah, yeah. She would have done it without me. So it was like, do you want in on this idea or not? <laughs> and I went to these seminars, and I saw all these women running these really inspiring businesses, and I was like caught up in this, you know, entrepreneurship, like fantasy land and and she phoned me and she was like okay we have to pay the deposit for our first round of samples so you know are you in or are you out kind of thing and I was like okay I'm in and and I just sent her money and and then we we were in it after that yeah (laughs) and that was in November 2019 we formed our business officially our partnership in January of 2020 and then, of course, we all know what happened in March of 2020. We signed the contract in February for our first oh, employee. And then in March, like the whole world changed. So. And then we launched in November of that year. We launched one year to the week that we paid the deposit for our first sample. So that's how long it took us. We had so many delays because of COVID and, you know, all those struggles that every business was facing during that time. Yeah. But, you know, we get asked the partnership question a lot. And I think that we um, we do get along like real and I think we, we talk about it quite often we, yeah. we joke about it we joke about it but it's very true we have become very codependent with one another <laughs> Alexa like 
obviously I'm in Toronto, she's in Vancouver. And when it's like 12 o'clock, I'm like, why hasn't she called me yet? Like, <laughs> I'm like, it's nine o'clock. Like, what is she waiting on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we have, it's not that we don't disagree. We, we definitely disagree from time to time. But I think that um, because we foundationally have the same values, which we kind of talked about in our upbringings around sustainability and around um, natural ingredients. We share a lot of those values in our professional, but also our personal lives um, and how we raise our kids and how we just function as humans and what we use in our home, what we put in our bodies. We share a lot of those same values. So when it comes down to it, the partnership has worked amazing for both of us. Like we've just become closer and closer. Like mm-hmm. we have a running joke while I'm always like, she can make new friends, but as long as you don't like them more than you like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that it's also like, we didn't, you know, you don't, you don't know what you don't know. And for us, it's like, knock on wood, it's been, it's been really good. And yeah. I think that it'll continue to be. And yeah. And I think for us running it on opposite sides of the country, because we launched during COVID, it was, that was one of the positive things for us because everybody was online. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have been in person anyway, and we couldn't have been in person anyway. So I think that we like the whole first year of the business, we didn't see each other. We were only, and when we started to see each other, we were like, oh, we, the, we're missing so much. So now we're like kind of committed to going back and forth as much as we can. Like for us, I think there's a really deep level of respect for the other person. And yeah, we we both brought really different skill sets to, to this. So um, I think we both have like the fundamentals of business, but we, we definitely have our strengths in, in other, in, you know, in different areas. So and trust, I think there's a very high trust and trust. So we've kind of separated the business tasks into two, two kind of main buckets. Lisa handles one and I handle one and then, but we also, you know, any big decisions we make together and it's working really well. And I, yeah, I couldn't do it without Lisa. If Lisa said, I'm not doing this anymore. I would be like, no, me either. <laughs> but you know, I didn't do it on my own. Like I am so grateful. No. I would. So when, you know, like, it's like, if you could tell your younger self, what would you tell them kind of thing? And it's like, I definitely was willing to start the business without Alexa if she wasn't coming. And I'm like, thank God. <laughs> I don't know how, like, business, we heard, I heard somebody say this once that business is like an endurance sport. And it really is. Like, you have to take care of your body. You have to play the long game. You have to roll with the ups and downs. And I think that, like, having somebody to have, like, from for the most part, when when one of us is down the other one is up <laughs> to be able to be like it's gonna be okay gonna be- <laughs> there's there's definite because we we're dealing with different things right so if something's happening on my side of the business Alexa's usually like okay it's okay yeah. well how can we do it this way and what about this and then same thing like yesterday Alexa was like spiraling about something and I'm like don't worry about it it's gonna be fine <laughs> like this is yeah. this look it'll be fine tomorrow it'll be fine yeah <laughs> so, we all need someone to talk us off the ledge sometimes. Yeah. Yes, yes. So we were, um, you know, we were intending to launch maybe, you know, summer of of twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Our manufacturer was, you know, producing bars and things like this, and was told by the the government essentially to to shut down and only make hand sanitizer. And there was a lot of different facilities that were that were mandated to do that during that time. So it really threw our launch date off, which um, 
which put us quite you know behind for that first year. I think it put us about six months behind, just that one that one aspect. Hey, it's Macy and Whitney. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Power and Heels. Make sure to join the conversation and never miss a new episode by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you there. Was there any point where you thought like, oh my gosh, this isn't going to work or this is all going to fail? Like <laughs> All the time. This is big in business. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. I never feel like we made the wrong decision. I never feel like it's not going to work. I definitely feel like it's going to work. I think that those moments of doubt, though, creep in quite often. And that's more about, can we do this? Like, do we have the the stamina to keep doing this? Because it's, it's a roller coaster. Like, in a single day, you'll get be like, wow, we just received the biggest order we've ever received. And then, oh, well, we opened up all this stock and none of it's usable. And then like, it just goes back and forth. Like the, the, the wave of emotions goes back and forth. So that's where I think that that's probably been like our biggest growth is that if you look back at the conversations that we had, you know, in November of 2020, when we launched and, and then the conversations that we have today, we're a lot more uh, level-headed about things. I mean, we still have our ups and downs, but we're a lot more level-headed about things. That's for sure. And I think what we've learned is that when we're in those down, like when we have a, a crisis of some kind, that there's always a solution. And so instead of it being like, okay, well, this like the hand sanitizer thing, like this is the end of our business. It's not. It's now it's like, okay, well, this has happened. What are like three options for things that we can do going forward? And um, and there is always another option. So we've learned to like Lisa said, be a little bit more um, level-headed, not riding the roller coaster as much. Yeah. And I think that the other thing that's been, what's been really good for us is um, we've met a lot of other really awesome women founders of different types of businesses. Um, We knew quite a lot of business owners just from our previous backgrounds with Alexa being on the retail side. She dealt with a lot of manufacturers of like supplements and food products. Um, So between the two of us, we knew quite a lot of business owners, but they were all men. Um, They were all men and they were great and they were super helpful. And we definitely leaned on them um, as we were building and learning. But I have to say, like, since we launched, a lot of women founders started started to reach out to us. And we've since like started to grow that network. And that's been um, really, really valuable to us because I think that just the way women approach a problem in life whether it's business or life the way women women's brains approach a problem is very different to the way a man's brain approaches a problem so when you're leaning when you're speaking to a woman about like how do how would you approach this and how would you approach this it you kind of get you get different advice and it's definitely opened up our our perspective which has been nice and what does the future have in store for good juju any big dreams or aspirations that you're hoping to accomplish we have a very big dream of changing the daily habits of 1 million people. Um, we would like to create social change with good juju. So, you know, our dreams are, you know, there's lots of stepping stones to get there. But what our, our goal in the end is that we've created social change so that people people feel like they can, you know, add in our kinds of products and zero waste and do better for the environment. And not feel intimidated by it, right? Yeah. Where, you know, like... There's some like crazy stat where um, like 50%, like half of all the plastic that's ever been produced in this world, which is a lot of plastic, 
um, has actually only ever been produced in like the last, like, it's probably 22 years at this point, 22 years. So like overnight plastic just blew up. It became like ubiquitous in our daily routines. And if it can change that quick in one way, it can change that quick in the other direction too. Like we're capable of change. We're capable of opening up our minds. Um, and I think that, you know, if we, we talk about this quite often that if you, you know, what does success look like for us? Success looks like, you know, whatever it is, five years from now, 10 years from now, that we were part of, we were pivotal in a movement to opening up people's minds and to growing and to changing their behaviors mm-hmm. through awesome products. <laughs> yes. Well, as much as we would love to continue to talk to both of you all day, the yeah. interview is coming to an end, but we always like to give the last little bit of time to our guests to share any last words of advice, or if you have any advice specifically for those who might be starting out as entrepreneurs or any words of wisdom, the time is yours. I would say um, have a support system. Um, whether that's a partner or whether that's a mentor or whether that's, you know, just a, a tech group, like a group of, of other companies that you can lean on and ask questions. Um, no man is an island and it's, this is tough. It's tough work running a business. I think it's something like only 10% of, of startups ever make it past a million, which is like, like that's such a small amount. Um, and I think that, we were really surprised. Like when we started this, we thought, oh, you know, we're starting a business that's going to be sustainable. There's going to be so many grants out there available to us. The access to money is going to be super easy. You know, we're women-led business. You know, we have, you know, we're BIPOC as well. And we were like, whoa, like the amount of support that's out there for small businesses is abysmal. It's really, really bad. So you need to build your network and you need to have support that you can lean on. Because the more people you talk to, the more you'll learn things. They'll be like, oh, well, Export Canada is doing this. And then, you know, we've heard like all these little bits of information. So, yeah, have a support system. Build your support system and continue to nurture it. That's what I would say. I would say two things. One is going back to, you know, that starting a business, it, it, it's going to be a marathon. It's not, nothing comes easy. It's a lot of hard work. You have to take care of yourself. And no matter how hard it has been for us and all the down, the the challenges and things like that, like when you're doing something and following your passion, like work is so fun and fulfilling. And I would say that if, you know, any entrepreneur that has an idea that there's, you know, if you're very passionate about it, like I've never had more fun at work, even though it's really challenging and I've never been more fulfilled. I feel like we're, we're truly living our purpose and, and nothing is better than that. Like I love, yeah. I love what we're doing. Don't regret it for a second. Yeah, never. So that is so great. And I mean, I, I thank you guys so much for sharing your story with us and all of your advice. I, I know I've learned a lot. I'm sure Macy has too. And then I know our listeners are really going to enjoy this chat. So thank you so much for joining us on Power Deals. No, no worries. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much for having us. It was great chatting with you guys. 